Welcome to the Brutal, Bizarre, and Boozy podcast. I'm Declan, the son. And I'm Jane, the mom. Enjoy a drink with us while we tell you some wild stories of the brutal and bizarre variety. Please keep in mind some of our stories might be upsetting to young or sensitive ears. This is the podcast where we talk about brutal crimes, bizarre occurrences, and get you drunk with cocktails themed around one of our stories. To lighten things up, we like to end our time with a chaser. So Declan, tell me what story you have for me today. I've had a pretty fucked up story about a man named Albert Fish. The name sounds familiar, but I can't place the story. I'm sure I will be sufficiently grossed out when you get into it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I told you about it like oh, a long time ago, but probably. What are you what are you going to be telling us about today, mom? I am going to be telling you about doppelgangers. Ooh, okay. Yeah. And so the drink that I have chosen to go with the doppelganger story is called the clone cocktail. It's basically a clone of the margarita, but with a little bit of changes to it. So the clone cocktail is made of one ounce of Cointreau, two ounces of tequila, your favorite, well, one of your favorites, half ounce of lime juice, which I think is pretty standard for a margarita, all of those things. And then to change it up a little bit, it has three ounces of orange flavored sparkling water. Hmm. The instructions are to combine the first three ingredients, which would be the Cointreau tequila and lime juice in a shaker with ice, shake and strain (coughs) over fresh ice in a highball glass with a half salted rim then top with sparkling water garnish with a lime twist so i forgot the half salted rim so i don't have any salt on mine did you salt your rim habanero tahini on mine oh that's fun what kind of tequila did you use I use the, question. yeah, I use the agavero that we bought when we were in Mexico back in March. Okay. So, uh, how about you? What I kind did you use? Anejo. I used reposado. Reposado. Oh, okay. Only tequila that exists in my world. Well, <laughs> and from what I learned when we went to Mexico is that it's only tequila if it's made in the tequila region. And so everything else is just made from agave, but it's not really tequila. So I don't know, but I use like other stuff. This is my favorite drink, but I've never had it with Cointreau in it. Usually I just have a tequila and soda, but I've never had soda, huh? Do you have flavored soda? Or do you yes, just do I have soda water? Or, orange sparkling water. Tangerine. Where the hell did you find that? Whatever. Safeway. Oh, well, there you go. I don't have I Safeway, got tangerine. So. I didn't find orange, but it's the fucking same. I looked for orange. I will fully admit I did not do orange. I did lemon <laughs> because I couldn't find orange anywhere at our store. Hey, so. Close enough. All right. Shall we give it a sip? 
Yes. Here we go. Cheers. It's a good drink. All my ice melted, but it's so good. <laughs> um, I think I need more alcohol before I do tequila because it tequila has that flavor. It to me, I'll, I'm sure I'm insulting tequila lovers. It tastes dirty to me. It tastes like dirt, like there's actual dirt yeah. in the glass. And I don't, I'm not a huge fan of that. I like it more than vodka because I feel like vodka just tastes like they use it to clean beakers or something. It tastes like something that can't something a chemist would have. But tequila, it, you can it tastes like something at least. <laughs> it tastes like something. I don't know if it's a good something, but. <laughs> I've never had it with the sparkling water. It's good. It just, I'm going to have to get halfway through the glass before I go, yeah, this is good. I like that. <laughs> I don't know. It's not Healing horrible, though. Like, I will say that. It's a good go-to at the bar because it's not going to get you super hungover. And it's not like so, calories or anything. how do you feel with the Cointreau added? Do you think it's good with the Cointreau or? No, you don't like nah, it with the Cointreau, it's huh? It's gross. I don't like, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of triple sec, but okay. like if I make a margarita, usually I use simple syrup, lime and tequila instead of Cointreau. Okay. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Cointreau since we're talking about that. Cause that's what I okay. have a history of today. It is an orange flavored liqueur that was first made in France in the 1800s. It's named after two brothers who created it and created their own distillery, which is the Cointreau Distillery. Uh, one of the brothers was a candy maker, and it is used in a lot of different drinks, including the sidecar, the margarita, the cosmopolitan, a lemon drop. There's a ton that use Cointreau, but those are some of the top ones that I was looking up and I was like, oh, what else is this in? And those were some of the top ones. So this drink is named the Clone. Um, it was inspired by the 2019 film, The Gemini Man, which Ooh, okay. IMDb says it is it's described as an over-the-hill hitman faces off against a younger clone of himself. Hmm. I, I think don't. I think we watched that movie together. We might have. I don't know. To me, it doesn't really sound familiar, but I forget a movie two days after I watch I, it. So. I think it's where Will Smith fights Will Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're you, right. You we've probably... definitely seen it together. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. We watched I, it when it came out on Netflix. Legit forget a movie two days after I watch it. Me too. I've gotten I've... through an entire movie down to the final scene and then go, oh, that's who did it. And then I go, oh, yeah, because I've fucking seen this movie before. <laughs> and was surprised by everything else. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way, but I remember that one because Will Smith was fighting himself. That... Yeah, yeah, Will Smith fights himself, a younger version of him himself. Yeah. So.
All right. Would you like to hear about doppelgangers? I would. This is an interesting okay. topic, and I haven't much on it before. Okay. So you've probably seen identical twins who share identical DNA, and they usually know they have a twin most of the time. You may have even been told you look like someone who somebody knows, like somebody comes up to you and says, hey, you look like so-and-so, right? It's even been said that everyone has a twin. But what if your twin wasn't a physical person, yet several people around you saw it? Like they saw a ghost of you standing next to you. Oh, shit. That doesn't yes. sound cool at all. This non-physical twin is known as a doppelganger. A doppelganger is defined as an apparition or a double of a living person. The concept of spirit doubles or non-physical twins, it's also called a ghostly double, it's centuries old and translates across most cultures by varying names, but the term doppelganger first originated in the 1700s in Germany. Now, the term doppelganger is fairly standard and meant to represent your ghost-like twin. A more modern name that's gained some ground is twin stranger. But whatever you want to call it, it's basically the same concept. Some people believe that it is an evil representation of the living person, while some people believe it is a ghostly representation that signals bad luck. And another suggestion is that it's a slip in time. Hmm. Yeah. We'll talk about one of those. Hmm. It has also been suggested that the vision of seeing your own doppelganger might be a sign of mental illness. But there are several cases in which bystanders are the witnesses to seeing the doppelganger. One such report is Emily Saget. Her story is often brought up when discussing the phenomena of doppelgangers. Emily was a school teacher in the, or in the region currently known as Latvia in the mid-1800s. One day while teaching her class, Emily was standing at the front of the class writing on the chalkboard. Several students noticed a second person materialize, looking just like Emily, standing next to her and mimicking her movements, but with an empty hand. Students would report seeing Emily stand up from her chair, move across the room, while her double remained seated. On another occasion, her students reported seeing Emily outside working in the garden, yet at the same time, they saw her seated inside the classroom. No? I don't like that. No? <laughs> I don't like that. So, I have a question. Yeah. Uh, apparently, if you saw your doppelganger, in this mm -hmm. case you wouldn't recognize them because you've only seen yourself 2D. Like, oh. if you see a picture of yourself, that's 2D. Mm -hmm. But if you look in the mirror, you can only really see your front. So I, I've heard a couple of people say that if you did,
did encounter a doppelganger or a twin of yourself, you wouldn't recognize it at first because you've never like truly seen yourself from a 3D point of view. One of the stories that I'm going to cover in a few minutes actually is about who got a guy who saw himself. Okay. And he did recognize okay. himself. So Emily, though, the teacher, never saw herself. She never saw the doppelganger. Other people saw okay. her, but never saw her. So the day when her students saw her working in the in the garden out the window, and then the twin version sitting in the chair, two of them, two brave students, reported going up to the seated figure and attempting to touch it. Because why wouldn't Slap you? Slap boxing I mean, it. Bah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're like... Is she here? Is she there? Oh, let's go find out. So they tried <laughs> to touch it, but they felt a fabric-like resistance when they tried to touch it. And then the seated figure disappeared. Mm, nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. That's so scary. It's what creepy. the fuck? That's... Super creepy. Like yeah. Witnesses also stated that when her doppelganger would appear, Emily's physical appearance would change. She would lose color and start to act tired. So she would look like really worn out when this shadow of her would show up. And then like she would start to be really pale. Yeah. Oh, this is giving me the heebie-jeebies. I don't like this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, the sightings made by numerous people um, made everyone feel uncomfortable. So they basically fired her. The school fired her and said, we can't have you here because everyone's uncomfortable. She went through like, I think, 19 jobs before this one. So... Yeah, she was like in her 20s or something, and she had had all these jobs, basically because this kept happening over and over again, and people thought it was creepy, and they were like, we can't have you here because it's creeping everybody out, so you got to go. So, okay, so she had to. So I know people hate side talk, but have you seen the show Living With Yourself? It sounds it's, familiar. I don't know if I've seen it. Because remember, I don't remember Paul anything. Rudd. Paul Rudd basically has a doppelganger of himself in this show. It it sounds oh. kind of similar to uh, this case. I don't know. But he actually like sees it and he interacts with it and it's kind of fucking up his life. Oh. I don't know if yeah, I've seen it. it. I'm going to have to go look for it. Yeah, it's worth a watch if... It's very similar to this because it's about doppelgangers, but yeah, it's very topic right. related. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although Emily claims she didn't see her own doppelganger, there are numerous reports from people who did see their twin stranger. One such report came from a French author, and I'm gonna not do this name justice. I did look it up, but. I can't remember for sure if I how to pronounce it. So it's Guy de Maupassant. Sure. His name is Guy. We're going to call him Guy. Okay. 
Okay. He reportedly had numerous conversations with his doppelganger. In one version of his story, he's an author, remember. He claimed that one of his books was dictated to him by his doppelganger. So he wrote a book and said, I got the story from my doppelganger. He told me the story and I wrote it down. I'm, I don't like that. <laughs> That's freaky. <laughs> you don't like that. You don't like any of that. <laughs> no. Yeah. However, other versions claim that he was actually so disturbed by the appearance of the doppelganger that his shock caused the twin to disappear. So whether or not his story was dictated to him or it was the presence of the twin inspired the story, nobody really knows. But supposedly one of his stories has to do with this twin stranger. What is known Oof. about him is that in the late 1800s, Guy attempted suicide but was unsuccessful. His attempt led to him being sent to an insane asylum and dying soon thereafter. So, did he see the doppelganger because he was mentally ill or did he become mentally ill because he saw the doppelganger? I mean, uh, you could argue either or. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's both. I think he was mentally it ill before and be. then he saw his doppelganger and he's like, oh shit, I'm really mentally ill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it kind of spiraled after that. Right? Oh gosh. That would freak me out. It'd probably make me crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Remember when I said that a theory about the doppelgangers is time related? that it's a time slip. Okay. The next account is related to time. In the 1800s, a man, na a man named Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, again, sorry about the name, it's kind claimed of a dope that he name, was... <laughs> it is. It's a good <laughs> name. We got to put a von in front of our last name. Von Bigby. There we go. <laughs> He claimed that he was traveling to another town to visit a friend. When coming his way, he saw a man resembling himself. He specifically noted what the man was wearing, a gray suit with gold trim. Eight years later, he was traveling along the same road when he realized he was wearing the same outfit that he had seen his double wearing eight years prior. So basically, he's leaving town A, going to town B, and he sees himself wearing gray and gold. And then eight years later, he's going from B to A and realizes he's, seen, he's wearing the thing he saw himself in eight years ago. So he had like a, like a deja vu moment? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Oh, God. that I mean, it's weird enough when you have one of those moments, but... Seeing your doppelganger, oh god, that's just freaky. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't like any of this story. Right, just letting you. Okay, know. it's freaking me out. I got one more. I got, okay. I got one more story, and then a little bit extra. So hang on. Another story, uh, one more weird tale, is from the early 1900s. Sir Frederick Con... Mm, sorry, everybody. 
Sir Frederick Carnroche was a member of British Parliament. He was seen sitting watching a debate by a fellow Parliament member, Sir Gilbert Parker, and other people attending the debate. So several people saw him there. Gilbert Gilbert approached Frederick, greeted him, and said he hoped he was feeling better. So Gilbert walked up to Frederick and said, hey, how's it going? Hope you're feeling better. Uh, Frederick didn't respond, and his friend turned away for a minute. When Gilbert turned back around, Frederick was gone. He looked for him, but Frederick was nowhere to be found. Sir Frederick was not actually at the debate because he was home very ill with the flu, which is why his friend said, I hope you're feeling better. He was at home. When told of the incident, Sir Frederick remarked that he had wanted to participate in the event, so he was not surprised that his spirit had gone to sneak a peek. I wouldn't have been so quick to say that i would have been like you what'd you say you said i was there (laughs) i was not there Mm -hmm. which one's the real frederick then the one that was in his bed ill because he never left his house Uh, but maybe he's the fake one and everybody's just been talking to the fake one and maybe the other guy's a real one it's possible because he said he wanted to go there maybe Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't like it. (laughs) Okay. Well, this is less creepy now. So all of these stories have one major thing in common, and that is the lack of the physical person. But real life doppelgangers do exist. Physical doppelgangers. Not paranormal. Just somebody who looks like you. So that whole, like, everybody has a twin thing. A recent article in the New York Times discusses physical lookalikes that took part in a scientific study. So the study was published a couple months ago. They took 32 pairs of biologically unrelated people who looked strikingly similar and compared their facial features using face recognition software. Basically, they did that so that they could have a quantifiable number that said these people look X amount of number alike. The study looked at DNA and lifestyles of the participants. 16 pairs of subjects, so half of the group, ranked similarly to identical twins by using the same software. Researchers found that half of the people that ranked similarly to identical twins shared more genes than half than the half that the facial recognition software determined looked less similar. So the people that ranked high on the number of yes they look alike had more genes in common than the people who didn't rank high on the facial recognition software. Tracking? Mhm. Okay. Genetics isn't the only factor that they reviewed though. Scientists were looking at whether or not the subject's environment was also a factor in how they looked. So they looked at like their 
activities and the things that they do on the side and things like that and their um, diets and things like that. The study showed that DNA is the major contributor to looks, not the subject's environments. Finding that the doppelgangers looked, their looks are based more on shared genes than similar lives or experiences. So that was a scientific study looking at the people that actually physically look alike. And they found the subjects uh, from a book that uh, it was basically a bunch of people that they had found that looked a lot alike. And there were pictures in the study and in the article from the people that were involved in the study. And they look like twins, like legit twins. Okay, so my buddy a couple years ago, I think it was like a year or two ago, he comes to us one day and he's like, I just found my doppelganger. So he was going on Instagram one day and one of the people that he met, like uh, he met like this person a couple of times and then got their Instagram. They went to a different school than him. Um. And they posted on their story like they were hanging out with a couple people having like a party. And one of the guys in the background of the photo looked exactly like my friend. So he comes to us with this picture and he's like, look at what I found. And it's like a spitting image. He has the same facial hair, same haircut, but previous. So my friend didn't have the haircut at the time, but he had it previously. So they had the same facial hair. Similar haircuts, and he had a hockey jersey on, and my friend played hockey. So, oh my gosh, he came to us and he's like, "What do I do?" And I'm like, "Make sure you're you still got your social security number, I guess." I mean, <laughs> did he contact him and try and find him? I don't think so, but I I oh, think I, I might would. tell him after hearing this. Yeah, that would I be would hundred percent try and find the person. At least try and get try and take 23 and me's together and see like Something. maybe they got separated at birth or yeah i don't oh, know that's wild it's, it was trippy how how close it was trippy how similarly they looked wow oh my gosh that's crazy yeah So let me tell you about this fucked up guy, Albert Fish. Ooh. So Albert Fish was born on May 19th, 1870 to Randall and Ellen Fish. His father was 43 years older than his mother. His <gasps> father was born in 1795 and his mother was born oh. in 1838. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. And Fish was the youngest child of four. So his mother often experienced audible and visual hallucinations. And some of Albert's other family members also suffered from mental illnesses. So kind of laying out how the family was back then, but oh, geez. not too great. No, doesn't sound like it. 
On October 16, 1875, his father, Randall, died of a heart attack, and Albert's mother put him into an orphanage. As you would. Sure. Okay. Fish claimed that he was physically abused in the orphanage, and after a while, he began to enjoy the, the abuse and began to get, like, sexual gratification from it. And a couple of the boys that were beating him up noticed that he had a boner while he was getting beat up, <gasps> and so they just beat up on him more. Yeah. <sighs> okay. I don't like it. Five, <laughs> five years after he had been put in the orphanage, his mother was able to secure a decent job and bring him back home. A while after he got home, he began to call a friend who told him to start drinking his own urine and eating his own feces. Oh, no. Okay. Skip to the next part. I don't want to skip. <laughs> what? Uh -huh. In 1890, Fish moved to New York City and began working as a painter and a male prostitute. He also claimed to sexually assault young boys around this time and send threatening letters to women he found advertising in newspapers. My so, God. just a real stand-up guy. Oh my God, this guy is so horrible. By 1898, Albert's mother had arranged a marriage to a 19-year-old girl named Anna Hoffman, who he had six kids with. During his marriage, he maintained affairs with male lovers. He claimed to enjoy stabbing his penis with needles and became fascinated with genital mutilation. No. After a quick stint in prison for embezzlement, he began hearing voices which he claimed were coming from the Apostle John. I don't know too much about religion, but it, you shouldn't be hearing voices from anyone. So I wouldn't think so. He said the messages were telling him that he was placed on this earth to castrate boys. Oh, I'm sure that it, wasn't the message. No. no. No, that's not the message. You misunderstood. <laughs> In 1910, Fish befriended a mentally challenged boy who he had sexual relations with and led to a shed and began mutilating his genitalia. Around 1917, Fish began eating raw meat, and he would try and feed it to his children. But they obviously were like, oh, no, I'm not going to eat this raw meat dead. <sighs> yeah. This fascination led to an obsession with cannibalism. Of course it did. Of course it yeah. did. In 1919, Fish moved to Washington, D.C., and his hunger for raw meat shifted to a hunger for raw human flesh why do you fish keep doing invited... cannibals stop doing cannibals uh, fish invited two boys over for a lunch <laughs> while he was preparing food for the boys uh, the boys were wrestling and they fell onto the floor and discovered a set of tools in albert's bedroom they found a meat cleaver a hacksaw and a large knife the boys were obviously terrified, so they took off before Fish could return with their food. Well, that's Shortly good after for them. That, yeah. <sighs> Trusted their instincts and got out of there. That's a smart move. Yeah. Yeah. 
Shortly after that, Francis McDonald, a young boy, was out playing with his friends and didn't return home one night. Francis's father was a cop, so a massive search was launched to find the missing boy. Few of Francis's friends mentioned a man with gray hair had been the last person seen with the boy. Fish violently assaulted Francis and dumped his body. McDonald was found by the side of the road and his suspenders were wound so tight around his body that they appeared to be a part of his flesh. An ad was placed in the local newspaper by Edward Budd in search of employment. Fish answered the advertisement and offered the man a job at his farm. Albert arrived at the house to pick up his new employee and that's when he saw Grace Budd, Edward's younger sister. Fish asked if he could bring Grace to his young niece's birthday party. The Budd family hesitated before agreeing. However, this would be the last time her family would ever see Grace Bud. <sighs> An investigation was launched and was unsuccessful. And almost six years later, the Bud family received a letter from an anonymous source. The letter described that Fish had assaulted her, strangled her, and eaten her whole body. Yeah, I don't want to get into details to what the letter said, but you can find it out there if you're interested. Oh, I don't need it. No, thanks. Yeah. The police were able to examine this letter and determine that the letter came from Albert Fish. When Albert was brought into custody, he threatened police with a razor blade, but he was quickly subdued due to his, him being old and frail. God. While in the sale, he had broken a chicken bone and filed it to a point. The guard heard strange noises coming from the cell and saw Albert stabbing himself in the genitals with the chicken bone. This was reported as a suicide attempt. However, we all know what he was really doing. Oh, my God. Albert Fish was sentenced to death by the electric chair for the murder and mutilation of Grace Budd. And on January 16, 1936, 2,500 volts of electricity rushed through Albert as he was executed. Wow. Yeah. So his yeah. I mean there was no physical evidence other than that letter, right? Uh I, I didn't see how he was arrested, but yes, that that led to his arrest because it, it's a long convoluted story about a janitor who stole um some envelopes from his work and the envelopes were in the same apartment as albert fish so they were able to connect him from the stolen envelopes that were stolen by someone else to the location that he lived and then the person who was like the property manager mentioned to the police that there's this old guy who is weird so so they did like so, a stakeout at his place and ended up seeing him and arrested him. He wrote the letter saying that he ate her. Yeah. And they used that. That was what convicted him. Yeah. That was the evidence that connected him to the crime. Again, 
I'm going to go back to a story from a couple episodes Just ago. shut up about shut it. Shut your mouth. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Rule number one, shut your damn mouth. Don't talk about Fight Club. That's the first fucking rule. <laughs> exactly. Jesus. Goddamn. Oh, my God. That yeah. is. So, that guy oh. got fucking zapped to death, which is good. Oh, I'd like to wow. say all of Fish's children admit that he never, they they all claim that he never abused them. So take that as you will. There's He's that. still a fucked up dude. But That's something. He didn't I mean, fuck his own kids. Well, there's that. Fuck That's, that guy. Wow. Oh, my God. That is so gross and... Yuck. Yuck, yuck, yuck. I need a chaser. I need a chaser really bad because that was so gross. Okay, my chaser... So, scientists at the California Institute of Technology were able to create a synthetic or theoretical, I'm not quite sure what the right word to use here is, but they were able to create a theoretical wormhole using quantum computers, and they were able to send a message through that wormhole. So, there's a lot of really big science words in this article that I don't understand, but that's what I got from the article is that they were able to create a synthetic wormhole. I want to say, and send a message through which uh, proves Einstein and Rosen's theory about wormholes and black holes. Theoretically proving time travel, I think. So did they send it to themselves? Yeah. So I don't know what the the quantum computer does, but all I know is quantum physics are really hard to understand. And it's about like time travel and things like that, like weird space and time bending things. But what I understood from the article is that they simulated two black holes that were had a wormhole connecting them they sent a message into one black hole and it came out on the other black hole so yeah i don't understand any of that i mean like i i don't either i love science and i know (laughs) sciencey stuff and i know biology and things like that but i don't understand that kind of stuff and time travel i don't even like watching time travel movies because it hurts my brain. I understand it's, like the the E equals MC squared and energy and things like that. I do not mm-hmm. understand quantum physics. No. So no, maybe someone neither. smarter than us can explain it to comment us on it. Yeah, but maybe they could like <laughs> get a whiteboard and write it down and really basic information and not use long words. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, I feel like I'm making myself sound really stupid and I don't think I'm a stupid person in general, but that shit just confuses me so much. You got to be real smart to understand that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't get it. And I, every time I try to read like one of those kind of theoretical physics thing and they talk about it, I'm like, I don't even understand three quarters of those words. So I'm just going to skip it and go, somebody smarter than me understands this shit. And apparently it's important to them. So cool. Yeah. I'm going to go back to watching my stupid reality TV shows. <laughs> what is your chaser for wow. us this week? My chaser is also out of California, but mm. a little girl named Madeline wrote a letter to the L.A. County uh, officials that are in charge of issuing pet licenses, and she wanted approval to keep a unicorn in her backyard if she could find one. <laughs> and they thought it was the cutest, sweetest thing. So they issued her a license of pre-approval and sent it back to her with a unicorn and said, the, the stuffed unicorn can hold the license until you find a real one. And the license <laughs> stipulated that the unicorn, when she finds a unicorn, must be given regular access to sunlight, moonbeams, and rainbows. <laughs> That's funny. It was the cutest damn thing. That's super cute. It was so adorable. <laughs> I saw that article and I just started laughing. I was like, oh my God. How fucking Shout cute out is to that? whatever office issued that because any government office I've dealt with previously would have been like throw this in the shredder immediately <laughs> right but i mean it's so adorable how how could you you yeah, have to you, you're just your job is just randomly opening the boring ass mail and you're like oh my god there's a handwritten <laughs> letter and you can tell like there's a copy of the letter in the article and it's it's super cute you can tell a little kid wrote it and I couldn't, I just couldn't stop smiling. It was so cute. So I hope maybe Madeline will find her unicorn. But she has to give it access to sunlight, moonbeams, and rainbows. I mean, that's important. It's the quintessential diet of a unicorn. Everybody knows that. They need that to survive. Absolutely. Alrighty, I think that just about wraps up our episode this week yes it does Enjoyed hearing about your fucking creepy ass doppelganger story come on hey, <laughs> freak me out my story like my story was nowhere near as creepy as your damn albert fish story that was so gross well i know i can beat up a frail old man but i can't beat up my doppelganger i don't know that <laughs> what if i run into him tonight and i gotta fucking fight him come on I know I could beat up an old guy, but not a fucking doppelganger. I but if he's that. a ghost, you don't have to do anything. If he's just like a spirit standing next to you, you don't have to do anything about it. Just give him maybe a salute I, and be like, I can convince him to do some of my work for me like a twin would. Ah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, I love you, Mom. I love you too, bud. We'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening and supporting our podcast. We would love for you to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And if you want to give us a five-star rating, we would forever be grateful. You can contact us at our email via thebrutalandbizarre at gmail.com or on our Instagram at thebrutal underscore bizarre underscore boozy.